The following is a North Carolina Baptist resource. For more, visit ncbaptist.org. I just want to talk to you today about something that's really, uh, I think not only is it important for our convention, but it's just something that really got me into church planting in the first place. Just uh, felt a calling to plant churches that would plant churches that would plant churches. Was reading uh, a lot of... um, Bob Roberts back around 2008, Bob Roberts and Ed Stetzer and, and those guys kind of got in my head about, about the lack of reproducing churches in America. You know, there's a lot of churches that were being planted, but there was no uh, sending action like from the local church out. And, and uh, that kind of began uh, our journey in the church planning. Uh, my name's Mike Pittman, by the way, and uh, I'm the new church planning team leader for North Carolina Baptist. And um, I'm a church planner, first of all. I, I came out of church planning, uh, planted our first church in um, 2010. It was Vertical Church down in Lumberton. And um, Pastor Donnie, who you guys met, uh, if you were in the session last night, you met Pastor Donnie. He was one of the founding pastors as well, and when we were praying about starting that church, God made it real clear to us in in a time of fasting and prayer as we were going, are you sure, God, are you sure that we're supposed to plant a church? We were scared, y'all. I mean, if you've planted a church, you know what it feels like to be scared. Like, is this you, God? You know, it was that that period of time, and um, when we came out of a period of three days of being separated, fasting and praying just on this. We came back together at the end to share with one another kind of what, how the Lord had, had impressed us through scripture and different prayers. We were just blown away um, just at, at the call that we felt very sure of. Um, but the other thing that really, the, the thing that blew us away and, and, and really strengthened the whole call was a calling to plant a reproducing church. We found a calling to reproducing churches even above our calling to plant a church. But step one to, to, to plant churches that plant churches that plant churches, you got to plant one, right? So that was our step. That was our, our first step as we got started. So, um, you know, a lot of what you're, what I'm going to talk to you about today is just things that, that, uh, we, along with a, a, a large group of people that, that we've been talking about this for a lot of years, uh, just what it would look like for us to do that. So, yeah, Jesus makes a statement, Matthew 18, and you know, we, we love to quote it all the time where he says, where two or three are gathered, right? He says, I am there, right? In the midst. And, you know, when we think about that, you know, Something that I've noticed is something happens when I'm gathered with other believers, especially with like-minded believers, and we're kind of looking and and dreaming about the future, uh, hypothesizing about what it would take for for God to do something miraculous in our lifetime and in our midst. And and I, I feel like, and I hope that this is what we're doing right now. I hope that what we experienced last night as we talked about reproducing churches and and looked at some of the work of what God's doing, I I hope that that God ignited something in some hearts. I've had some conversations with people that it seems like God is moving in a a really uh, extravagant way. And man, he's always with us. Amen. Right. And um, and so, you know, but but what we're seeing here is this statement from Jesus that says that he does something 
supernatural when we do it together with other believers. You know, it's not just the gathering together. It's the power of God in our midst where, where he does something incredible. And he does, he shows us that we're better together because he does something corporately when we're together. So, you know, just to kind of get us started, what would it, what does it take for movement to happen in the church, what, what's it going to take for us to be able to see movement beyond what what we've often thought of in church planning? Because I'll just be honest with you, what we normally see in church planning is an entrepreneurial, visionary leader. He's got a dream. He's got a vision. God has kind of given him a mission field. Hey, I want to plant a church, you know. And so, and and man, we love those guys, you know, and, and we're always looking to find those guys. But the thing is, and what we have to come to terms with is if we, if we wait for those people to appear, we're in trouble. I, I can tell you right now that we see less of those guys today than we did five years ago. And, uh, and it's not because God's not calling. We know that God continues to call. I can't tell you all the reasons. We could go in a totally different direction and kind of break down kind of what, what that's all about. But we do know that we need, we need to plant churches. Why do we, why do we need to plant churches? Now, new churches have a three-time conversion rate compared to churches that are 10 years or older. That's, that's, that's not just a new, I mean, that continues to be proven and shown. Uh, we've been saying that for years, but it's a, it's, uh, it's basically something that we've seen over and over and over again. So, to, to kind of get us down this route and kind of talk about where we're going, I want to hit on something that that um, we saw in the convention. Uh, Lifeway partnered with Exponential Leadership Network a few years ago to do a study. It's called the Becoming Five Multiplication Study. And uh, they develop, you know, and, uh, Exponential develops this simple framework for helping churches to think about multiplication. And, and basically what they did, they did this huge, I was, I remember being a part of it. I didn't know what I was doing. I remember answering the questions and doing it, but they did, they, they, this really, it was a, it was a pretty broad study when they did. It. And what they kind of found out was that out of all the churches that participated in this, um, basically, uh, with level, you have five levels of churches. Level one being a church that's, that's basically, we call it subtracting, we call it dying, whatever you want to call it, but they're, they're going the wrong direction. You got the level two church, which is plateaued. You got the three church, which is adding. They're, they're seeing some things happening. They're making disciples, right? They're adding things. Then you got the level four church, which we would call reproducing, which would mean that they're not just adding, they're reproducing outside of themselves. And then, of course, level five would be a multiplying church. So this would be not a church that's just planting. This would be a church that's planting churches that are planting churches, okay? In this study, what they found was 80% of churches, we're not surprised at this, you've heard this number, 80% of churches were level one or level two, either subtracted um, or or plateaued. Level three, when you bring that in, 16% of churches were level three churches. So 96 that's humbling right there, right? 96% of churches are in those first three levels. And then you had 4% of churches that were in that reproducing uh, level. And 0% of churches were multiplying in the United States of America. Doesn't mean that there are no multiplying churches, not enough to statistically show up on this, on this graph. Now, 
Here's the thing about it. I remember Dave Ferguson, he's the leader of Exponential. Dave Ferguson said, man, I dream of something uh, with our team here at Leadership Network Exponential. We need to move this level four number from four to 10%. He said, I, I believe if we, can move, if we can move that number from four to 10%, we're going to see the, the scales begin to tip in the way and eventually it's going to lead in. We're going to start seeing some level five multiplication if we can do that. Okay. That was back in 2015 when that started. They have updated this thing. And here it is. Uh, uh, in the study this year, they went back and they did it. Uh, the, basically, the 80% remained about the same, what we looked at. But we saw something that was really cool. Level three churches, the adding churches, have increased from 16% to 30%. Guys, that's good news. That means that churches, I mean, what, what do we, what do we focus on here in the North Carolina Baptist State Convention? Disciple making, right? That's what we say, man. And we're saying that we're, we're going to increase things. We're going to impact the state through disciple making churches. We're seeing this all over the country where, where that level three number has increased dramatically. But look at that level four number. That 4% moved from 4% to 7%. Y'all, that, that is four years. In four years, you know, you know how much has to happen for, for numbers like this in a four-year period to actually increase in this way? This is not a skewed uh, survey. I mean, it, it's pretty in-depth, and I mean, they're, they're trying to find... If anything, they want it to go down. <laughs> you know, I mean, not they want it to go down, but they're not trying to skew it up because they want to see true growth happen in this. Here's what I believe is happening here, and, I, and I'm glad that you guys are here today. I think part of what's happening is the communication. This communication of reproducing churches, we're seeing these churches that are adding. I believe the reason that disciple making has become uh, more prevalent in our state is because we talk about it a lot. And we've, we've shown people that disciple making is not sitting in a class and somebody reading quarterly to somebody, but that there's one-on-one, there's actual work and that's being done. There's action that's attached to it. And I'm telling you in this, when you look at something like the Exponential Conference, about 10,000 people show up in Orlando, Florida, and this is what they talk about. Reproducing, reproducing, reproducing. I don't think that there is any... I can't look at anything else except for to say that that the message is catching on. And churches understand that we have to do more than talk about it. We have to do something about it, man. I'm so excited about the opportunities that we have together. And so, you know, Exponential's mission, like I said, was to move to that 10% and eventually to a tipping point of 16% and beyond. So with that being said... Uh, you know, I think about it like this, and you guys know this. I mean, it's kind of like a human life cycle. You got birth, you got growth, you have decline, and we have death. I mean, that's that's just the the fact of life, right? And we see this all the way through. And all, along the way, we have reproduction, we have kids, we have grandkids, and, and you leave a family legacy. We see that in churches. L four churches are having kids. That's what the reproducing churches is doing. And L fives are having grandkids. And that's what we have to see. We have to see some L5s, L4s having kids, L5s having grandkids. We're seeing uh, movement in that fourth generation. We need to see that movement in the fourth generation and beyond. Uh, you know, I'm really excited that we've seen that, that level four growing from four to seven percent, but we haven't seen growth on, on L5. And, um, I think that, you know, maybe, maybe this is kind of where we find our answer. I want to show you something real quick. 
um, that I learned from Patrick O'Connell. He's uh, one of the leaders of New Thing Network and uh, kind of showed this to us a, a couple of years ago. And you'll see this. But uh, basically, we look at this over... Over the years, we, we've seen something that, that God has, has shown us. And, you know, he tells us, right, tells us that we are to go. We talk about it all the time, especially as Southern Baptists. You know, we're all familiar with the Great Commission and what, what God has told us to do. And we're to focus on the Great Commission. And I think as Baptists, I think that we do a pretty good job of that with the cooperative program. And we at least talk about it enough, even if we're, we're guilty of not doing as much action, right? There's, I mean, you know, th- this is something that we're really familiar with that we are to go and to do this. I like to think of the Great Commission as is the Great Commission, right? It's our mission with Jesus and the work that he's doing that together. You know, so so this is something that we've been good at for quite a while as Southern Baptists. But we have this over here and something that that we've seen a, a, a resurgence in over the past 15, 20 years is the calling of the church not just to go and to share the gospel, but man, we got to love our world, you know? And how often do we have that conversation where, where people just, I mean, outsiders that, that maybe have even heard the gospel, but they don't see the love of God in the church. And we, we, we really hurt the mission of God just because of the way that people react to us and, and all of that. And, and, you know, there's, there's been a, a, a resurgence, I think, over the past 15 years of tying the great commission with the great commandment that we're to, to love our neighbor as ourself. And so, you know, and, and I think that this is something that we're seeing more and more of. And it, you know, it's, it's something that we could be encouraged about. But this other one, and, We've heard about this, I, I don't know everywhere, but I think here in North Carolina Baptist, we hear about this a little bit more because of Chris Schofield. And Schofield, if you guys are, how many of y'all are familiar with Schofield? And, uh, you know, we've heard, I've heard him talk about this more than anybody in my life. John 17, right? And he talks about that, that prayer in the garden, man, Jesus, uh, high priestly prayer. And, you know, it's the call of together, Right. And, and, you know, he says, he says, man, you know, we're, we're to love each other. It's not just going together. It's not just loving, but it's the work of together. And when we, we look at this, it, there's something that you see here. It, the call of, of what he's calling us to, the work of Jesus, would be found right here. And that's the sweet spot of this whole thing, where what's he calling us to do? Go, love, what? And, and you know, it's what it looks like when he's calling us out to do that with the mission of Jesus. That's the sweet spot of this whole thing together. And I think maybe the reason that we're not seeing the L5 multiplication is because there are parts of this that have been left out. And, and maybe it's part, what I want to call this is the great collaboration, right? Where, where, where Jesus through, through the, through John 17 is bringing the, the great commission, the great commandment, and, and the great collaboration together that we might get this job done. And, and I, I think that maybe there's, there's a part of this that's been left out. Guy, uh, I became familiar with a few years ago named Sam Stevens. Uh, he's like a third generation church planner in India. Uh, you can see him in the, uh, Indian Gospel League. Uh, this year they, they celebrated their hundred, thousandth church in India. And that's not a misprint. 
They literally have, have planted 100,000 churches. Uh, it started back in the 50s with his grandfather and it's continued. Uh, his father had taken it. Uh, they had done hundreds of churches. When his father passed, Sam took over and God just began to do something incredible. And, I, you know, I thought that the work that his dad did was incredible. But what, what they did, and, and here's what he says about this and how they did this together. He said, you know, every planner, how do they do it? Every church planner that they sent out has an apprentice to plant. You hear that? Not, not every church planner goes out and they start a church, they get their stuff together. And when they get ready, when they get grown enough and everything, they, they start an apprenticeship in their church. No, every planter who goes out is sent out with an apprentice to plant. And the second thing, every church planter is a part of a monthly network. They pray for each other. They share in their burdens. They share their collaborative goals. They eat and they have added value that's brought in to, to all their training. Sam Stevens said this. He says, I'm convinced that networks are the backbone of movement. You know, it doesn't have to be a, a solid network that you've heard of. You know, one of these things that they're doing funding with the Baptist State Convention. But it's the network of churches, like-minded churches who are working together in this thing that God does something really incredible. And, you know, he's saying that, that we're better together. It's a picture of God's great work, you know, the great collaboration. Uh, yesterday evening, I showed you uh, some uh, reproducing church collaboration. And, you know, Proximity Church, we saw that. And, man, uh, Miss Betty up there with Pastor Mike and his wife, Kristen. I don't know about you. If you were in there, uh, Miss Betty was like, she was awesome. <laughs> I mean, I, I was so inspired by her. She is, she's the real deal. But, you know, proximity church is what we call a church restart. You know, you have a healthy, growing new church in proximity, an older, established church in Camp Herman that realizes that if they don't do something, they're nearing the end of their lives. And um, Camp Herman, I'll say this, man, I want to give them a shout out because they showed incredible humility in what they did in approaching proximity. Proximity did not approach Camp Herman. Camp Herman approached proximity. And uh, man, it was a, a great thing that uh, what they did. Um, I tell you something, they, they didn't just give them a building. They had money in the bank that they could have continued staying open with and stay. I, I call it life support, right? Where they could have stayed open, not really being able to do anything in the community. They just didn't have the resources anymore. And when they gave that church to them, they didn't just restart the church, but they gave them money to actually get the, the church in a better place. And man, it was just incredible. Um, they, but the thing is, is they showed a deep care for the mission of their church and their love of the community. And they said, we're not able to do what it was that this church was established to do. We need help. And that's what they did together. And uh, something that Miss Betty had said to me, but she didn't say last night on the platform, but she made this statement. She said, they, we would have done anything to see young families in this church again. You know, Praise God for that church and what they did. This is part of the great collaboration. And I think it's one that many uh, North Carolina Baptist churches need to consider. You know, it's not that, that the answer to, a, to a, a, a declining church is get a church planner and put them in there. That's, that's not what I'm saying. But what I'm saying is it, it could be something that should be discussed and uh, find out, finding out if it's a good fit for that church. The, the next one we looked at, Iglesia de Gastonia, uh, Pastor Jose Manuel Hernandez. Uh, man, I, I loved, uh, did y'all catch this last night when he said, this is my pastor and he couldn't hardly talk. 
because of what Pastor Ronnie had done, man. He didn't, he didn't just give him a building. Like he took this church on. This is our church plant. This is a, they're ascending church, but it's their meat in their building. They're not, uh, Iglesia de Gastonia is not the Hispanic version of, of, uh, Flint Groves. This is a, a completely autonomous church, but he views Pastor Ronnie as his pastor. And man, what they did together, this is an incredible evangelistic partnership. I love when Pastor Ronnie said, made that comment. He said, our church did, before this happened, our church looked like us. And man, and they realized there was so much opportunity for them to grow outside of that. And uh, man, another, this is another opportunity for churches all over our state. I know it's weird to think of allowing another church to come in and share facilities, right? But man, when you go to big cities all over America where where property is so expensive and rent and you can't get in the schools to do all that, man, you have churches that have four, five, six churches meeting uh, in those churches. I, I, I met a, a church in, um, they were in Queens a couple of years ago. They started having church on Saturday afternoon and it ran all the way to, to Monday evening. They had eight churches that met in that building. Every one of those churches had a key. Every one of those churches viewed this as their building. They shared together. Y'all, again, it's a picture of God's great collaboration. And I, I love what he's doing in this. Lastly, you saw the, the picture of the web of churches. And, um, you know, obviously this one's a little bit personal to me. And without going back through that again, I just say it like this. All these guys had different journeys that they did together. But the point of this whole thing was every one of those churches are better off because of the partnership that they had with each other. And I'll tell you something. They've all been involved in planning churches and they wouldn't have if they didn't have the other churches to partner with. You know what I mean? None of those churches on that screen, including like the Point Church. Point Church, if you're from the, the Triangle area, they seem like a big church because they have a lot of congregations, but most point churches have less than 200 people in worship. But what they've done is they partnered together and created something that's bigger together. All these churches are, are uh, normative to smaller size churches, but because of the partnership that they have together, they're able to do reproducing work together. And I believe that, and, and Corey would be one of those churches um, I believe that every one of the churches, every church, and you know, Quintel's in here, every church that we've been able to be a part of planting, you guys go deeper and deeper with the reproducing DNA. And I know that every church that we're planting, they, they, they feel this deeper to their core. This is something that we do together because somebody did this for me. We're going to do this for others, you know. And so, you know, it's just something that a lot of churches can do together. I just want to uh, reestablish something that I, I said so many times and just want to remind you, denominations aren't supposed to plant churches. Churches plant churches. It's God's great collaboration, right? And um, so I, I want to show you an illustration of where we are and where we're going. This, graph that's, this graphic that's up here is a really good picture of, of denominational church planning life as it's been for the last 20 years or so. And basically it comes from uh, IMB type model. We kind of took what was happening in, in the mission field and it was adjusted to do here in America. And as you see, you, you've got the denomination network. They're the big deal in this thing. And they've got this complex selection of systems. They recruit, screen, assess, train, coach. They're finding planters. Uh, I call this 
Um, I want to plant a church. Okay, call the Baptist State Convention, right? That's a, I mean, and that, that's a picture of where most church planting has been for the last 20 years. You want to plant a church? Well, what do you do? Uh, you might call your association, and then the association will call or the planner will call. But basically, again, like I said, this is the picture of the entrepreneurial visionary planter. He's got a dream. He's got a mission field. We're going to do something together. And so the denomination's really big in this thing in helping to get these guys together. Now, of course, we see the partner church deal. Partnerships are, are, are uh, working with the denomination. But let's be honest. Uh, most churches that, that have, every church that plants as one of North Carolina Baptist church plants, they have to have a partner church. But I see a director of missions in here right now, AMS, and I think that he would agree with me that uh, they're not partners. They're people who have signed on dotted line for the most part. I mean, that's not for every single church. But for the most part, even though you have to have somebody that does that, I'm not trying to be controversial saying that. I'm just saying there wasn't much accountability in that system. And, and partner churches, in the way that they've been, for the most part, they weren't sending churches. So for the most part, you had the church, uh, they would partner maybe with a partner church that's doing a little something, they partner with association, they partner with the convention, and we would send them out and they'd plant them. And that's just been the way it's been for, for quite a while, and um, uh, not right or wrong or, or anything wrong. Um, matter of fact, I'll say it like this, we currently plant about 100 churches a year, like every year. Like we plant more churches in North Carolina than a lot of denominations plant in the whole country. You know, God has been incredibly gracious to us in the area of church planning. Uh, and I think that what you saw last night with the way that God is sending the nations to us, I don't know if y'all have noticed, God tends to do work in places that are prepared to do the work, right? And uh, I've always said to people, churches that that want to increase the number of first-time guests, one of the best ways to do that is to have a system to actually treat uh, and meet first-time guests. You know, When you do that and you prepare to reach people that way, God has a tendency to bring people there because he knows that you'll be a good steward of them. I think we see the same thing in church planning work as well. But I want to make a a real sobering uh, statement uh, when we look at this. With approximately 6,000 churches closing per year across America... Um, I'm estimating that we will need to plant 170 churches per year to meet the growing need. That's a lot of churches, right? And as much as we're encouraged by what, we, what we've been able to do, um, 170 is, uh, for those of us that work in church planting, we, we look at that and we go, man, how in the world can we get there? And, and I'll say this, in this model, over time, church planning becomes very dependent upon the denomination and the network in order for it to happen. What happens is the, the local church says, well, we don't do that, they do this. And that's what we've done. We basically, we basically monopolized the work of mission churches. Y'all remember missionary Baptist churches? Remember that? When churches used to send churches out and the town that I'm from, almost every church in that town was, was a mission church of either First Baptist Church Lumberton or Antioch Baptist Church. Almost every church in that town came from those two churches. That was back when churches understood that they were supposed to plant churches. Something happened in the 50s and the 60s, and and we started thinking, you know, instead of sending people over there, maybe we should just build bigger buildings here, you know? And that's kind of where the church growth movement started, and and, and that's kind of where, where we've been. And but, it, but here's, here's what I want to say. And again, praise God for 80 to 100 churches per year that we're planting. 
But maybe this promotes addition more than it promotes multiplication. What I'm saying to you right now is I think that this model, which is basically what we're running right now, is the bottleneck to us being able to get over and above this. You know what I mean? Because I, I think that, that our system that we're running, which is a really... I just got chill bumps because I feel the Holy Spirit right now. Amen, right? <laughs> the system that we're currently running, y'all, um, while, while we, we plan a lot of churches, we're so incredibly grateful, and it's a good system. But I think that it, its foundation supports about 100 churches a year. It's kind of like the... I mean, we, you guys know this. You have a pastor in a church... One pastor is good to, like, if things are going really well, he's going to pastor about 75 to 125 people. He hits 125, 130, what happens by himself? Just kind of, most of the time, just kind of stops, right? Because he can only relationally deal with that many people. What happens when you take that pastor and the systems are good and everything, you put somebody good with him, what happens? A lot of times they'll go up to about 300, right? Three, 350, maybe 400, right? But something happened, you might add another person to it. But when you get to 500 or so people, all of y'all have been in church for a while, you know this, you get to 500, it becomes more than just people. Now it becomes a system thing, and now we have another thing. And so there's a bottleneck in there. I think that this is the bottleneck. And it's one of those things that we need to do. And, and I think that maybe it, it encourages addition more than it does multiplication. I want to show you, this is what we're working towards right now. In this, uh, you heard us talk a lot last night about sending churches. And I know that that's uh, one of those, it's kind of the catchphrase and we talk about it a lot and, and uh, we want to get out of talking about it. But in this, I'm just saying as a leader of church planning uh, with Baptist State Convention, we're trying to change our role from being the, the main planter of churches to supporting the planting of churches. Man, we believe that if we will get church, if we will get out of being the bottleneck and quit making us the, the part that everybody has to go through and we start giving it back to the local church and teaching them instead of us being the main sender in this system. What our job is, is we begin to work with systems. We're doing research, development. We're collaborating with local churches. We're teaching churches how to become sending churches, how to raise up people, all of these things, uh, working with networks, uh, health, funding. I mean, we do things like, like apprenticeship. We do things like assessment and all that. But ultimately, what do we want to do? We want to get a multiplying church out here. That, that they have their own pipeline. They have a pipeline where they're raising up planners. They're doing assessment. They're doing training. They're releasing. They're coaching. They're funding themselves, right? Not just us as funding, but the local church is actually has money in their budget to be able to plant churches from their church. And God, I'm going to tell you something. You get 20 or 30 of these happening. How many of you believe that we can get 170 churches a year when we got 20 or 30 local churches that actually have a pipeline. I think we will absolutely blow it out of the water. I think that's what it looks like. And you see this, look, multiplying churches, you know, what are they going to do? They're going to plant reproducing churches. They just are. It's just the way it is. Because if you are planted by a reproducing church, a church that has reproducing DNA, you're going to go out and you're going to do the same. If you went through a church planning residency and you are going to do, you're going to plant a church, how many of you think that you would make the person that you're planting do a residency as well, right? It makes sense. 
because it made such a difference in your own ministry, in your own life, that you say, man, this is the best thing that ever happened to me. I'm telling you right now, guys, in 2010, 2009, if I could have been a part of a church planning residency, I would have done it in a second. I didn't even know the word residency at that time. But if somebody would have said, hey, hold on a second. How about you guys don't plant yet? And you go spend a year with Quintel. And Quintel's going to pour his life into you over the next year. They're going to help you guys get more solid and, and ready to go out. Change my timeline. Which, by the way, church planners, don't, they never like being told no, right? Or hold on, right? Because they're ready. They're ready now. We're ready to have church, right? Build a team. That, they got a dream. They got a vision, they don't, right? And that's, that's just kind of where, where it's at. And I believe when church planning is released to local churches that, that we have to actually reproduce. Yes. Could you explain the partner church next to the multiplying church? Absolutely. Thank you for saying that, Barry. A part of what you saw last night in the web of churches, when you had all those churches together, that's a good picture of partner churches. The multiplying church is the main church. That's, that's, they're the ones that actually have the system where, where they have a pipeline. They're, they're doing their own coaching training. They, they've probably got an apprenticeship. They've got a residency. But you have partner churches that probably don't, they're not in the place yet where they themselves can be an, a, a multiplying church, ascending church. But what they do is they partner with that multiplying church. So, you know, for example, Here's Jamie Revis, and Jamie tells me that he's planting a church, and let's say my church is the sending church, and so we might be the main church that's putting the main amount of money behind him, the main amount of training. He's probably doing a residency at my church, but here's Nick, and here's Kelton over here, and Nick and Kelton might be in, in smaller churches, but they want to be reproducing churches. They become a part of this thing along with us. They are partners in the work of planting this church. And I'm going to tell you guys something. We got to get off our high horse about getting all the credit and all this kind of stuff. Man, I'm telling people that are part of partner churches, you claim that church plant. You don't have to be the sending church on this thing. You go back to your people and you talk to them about this church that you started. This church that you guys are working with in such and such place. And you do that because what are we doing? We're communicating, reproducing language to our people. When we do that and we're, we're letting them know this is serious to us. This is what we're about. This is what we do. You only have to do that a few times before people start saying, Hey pastor, where are we going to plant a church next? I believe that the partner churches, Barry, that are working in this eventually will begin to develop because they're working with that, that multiplying church. We, we would call that the sending church in our, this is not my graph, but we would call that the sending church. Those partner churches are working with that so that they can have their own apprenticeships, their own residencies, and, and they eventually, hopefully, will become sending churches themselves. that cover that? Yeah, so that's, that's kind of what we're looking at. And, and so, like you see here, man, I, I'm, it looks like I'm trying to put uh, Church Planning NC out of a job, and, uh, and I'm not. Uh, I'm just trying to change the job is what I'm trying to do. I'm trying, trying to change our role. I'm trying to get us back to what I believe that, that we're supposed to be about, uh, I believe that Milton would be the first person to tell you that that we're we're not supposed to be doing the ministry. We come alongside of uh, associations, partner churches uh, to do the ministry in the church, you know. And uh, we should never be at the forefront of that ministry that we're doing. It's just not what our role is. Not what we're supposed to do. And it really, uh, I think, it really hurts the local church when we do that. So, any questions before we move forward? Yeah, man. I'm already bought into the methodology. Yeah. 
model that I can adopt. We have a long-term vision, next three to five years, to be doing this systematically. But where's the model that will help me develop that pipeline in my church? That's good, man. I'm, I'm, let's, let's go there. Um, just I, let me get just a, a second of, just for those that, just to clarify this, when we talk about sending church, sending church partners with the new church plant, prayer, participation, provision, taking responsibility for the plant until they are a self-sustaining, self-governing, self-propagating church. And, and that's what we're looking at. With this in mind, uh, I'll show you a few ways, and uh, we're going to hand out something in just a moment, bro, and, um, and kind of what we're uh, looking to do. But for, for how, how can a regular church that's got a heart for this, maybe the Lord is moving in this. I'm sorry for the, for the small uh, print there. But the first thing that we can do in our churches is to create that culture of planting. Create a culture of planting. Man, we've got to talk about this. If, if it's something that's important to our church, I think it should be. This is as, you know, it begins, you know, just praying regularly in your weekend services for planters. Um, you know, making it a, a part of the communication, your newsletters, staff meetings, weekly bulletins about pockets of lostness near you, the need for new churches. You know, I think that it's in these communications we help people to begin to see that church plants are needed and necessary. Those of us that have been in this for a while and looking at it, what we've come to find out is that, you know, everybody feels like the church plant's going to move into their town, they're going to take all their young people. And that's just not the point. I mean, church plants reach, uh, they normally go there with, with a distinct calling and the people that they're going to reach a lot of times is different than the people that go to um, a traditional church. I want to encourage people to preach message messages to theologically ground people in biblical missiology about multiplication. Now, I want to remind us that, that we're supposed to be reproducing at all levels in our churches, making disciples, uh, personally making converts, personal evangelism. Um, and I'll I tell you something else about, about that right there. If you're not reproducing, like talking about being a sending church, if you're not reproducing at all levels, uh, you might plant one church from your church. You might even get two out of it. But if you're not reproducing at all levels, you run out of people to send. Because a big part of being a sending church is to send more than just a pastor, right? It's sending resources. And the greatest resource that we send is people resources. And man, they're hard. I mean, we have to reproduce and be making disciples, leading people to Christ in order to do that. Also, you know, uh, this is so simple, but something that, that oftentimes churches overlook. Just building into the church calendar, offering emphasis around church planning, such as North Carolina Missions Offering, Annie Armstrong. And I want to encourage you uh, during those seasons, man, reach out to us for, for a planter. I'll send you a planner, man. I'll get some people that can come to your church and talk to you about church planting in North Carolina. We can uh, reach you, uh, church planting in North America. You know, outside of that, most of the time the people that I'm going to have access to are our guys here in North Carolina, but a great way to help people to see that. Utilizing the videos that, that everybody has, of course, the uh, creating a church planting line item in your church is a great way to show people that we're serious about doing that. Uh, and of course, you know, eventually adopting a church planning resident, guys, um, doing that and uh, just saying we're, we're going to invest in somebody for uh, 12 to 18 months. And, you know, I, I just want to encourage you to start with who you have. Uh, I believe that God's already seated 
uh, each local church with people that he's preparing to send out. You know, it might be staff members looking at those people. Um, one of the most powerful things that resonated so deeply with me a few years ago, I was when uh, J.D. put out his book, Gaining by Losing, when he tells a story, he's talking about Andrew Hopper, that guy. He tells a story about the church planning resident that he was sending out, and uh, they told him that they could take people from the church. And so they were having the meeting for him to tell them who's going. And as, as the guy begins telling them who's going, uh, fear begins to grip JD's heart and he begins feeling his heart because he's taking like his best people and he's taking some of his best givers. And JD says, I, I, I found myself with my hands underneath the table and I opened them up to the Lord and I said, Lord, just do what you want to do. I give it to you, right? And it's one thing to talk about planning a church. It's one thing to talk about sending a church. It's another thing to send people away. And I want to tell you something when you look at your staff. I mean, a lot of us, we, nobody likes replacing people, right? Nobody likes finding that new person. But some of our best planters might be already working on our church staffs, might be somebody who has more in their future, man. We need to look at them in that way and pray for them in that way. I've had multiple conversations over the last two days with, with uh, senior pastors who have people on their staff, and they said to me, man, I think that this guy might be a church planner. That's what I'm talking about right there right? Um, develop a church planning apprenticeship. Amy, will you pass out the apprenticeship uh, piece and um, the residency piece? I'm going to keep talking while she's passing this out. Um, church planning apprenticeship um, is, is the raising up. This is the, the church planning discipling making, right? I told you in the past, entrepreneurial, visionary planner. Hey, I want to plan a church. Comes to you and says, hey, I hear y'all got something going on. Can I, can I do something with you guys? Will you guys help me plant? Absolutely. That's great. We're looking for that. But y'all know this. That's the low-hanging fruit, right? It was already there. It was already growing. We didn't develop it. And I'm telling you right now, we don't have enough of that going on. Just don't. And not only that, but I'm just going to be honest with you. Those guys, especially the ones that, that really have have been preparing for this for a while, they have come to realize that they are the big fish in a small pond. They're going, what do you have to offer me? What do you have to offer me? You know what I mean? And, and sometimes we see that going on and we're, we're in competition for great planners. What we have to do is we have to begin building up these people in the very same way that God has called us to make disciples. I think that God's called us to raise up pastors. Amen. Planters, and not only that, people that, that we're going to send from our congregations intentionally to go to serve and to plant. You know, you don't have to be a church planner to go be a part of planting a church. God, we need people who have a church planting vision, but they'll never be a lead pastor. They might never even be uh, in full-time ministry. But my Lord... What 30 committed people from your church could do if they caught a vision for being a part of something greater. I tell you firsthand from my personal church planning experience, when we got started, um, I was planning in a town where I had pastored. Um, everybody knew that I was going to plant a church. 
I mean, I've been talking about church planting for years. My pastor was in support of me. Everybody, like if you would have asked anybody in that church, bef- listen, before I announced that I was starting a church, if you would have said, where do you think Mike will be in five years? They would have said, he's going to be a church planter. I talked about it incessantly. I've been praying about planting a church for a long time. And, and then when I decided to plant a church, it was like, oh no, he's, he's planting a church, you know? And um, we had the... I was planning in the town that I was in. I wasn't planning a church because I was mad. I wasn't upset with anybody or anything. Felt a calling to people that we weren't reaching in our church. And I was in a great church. And God was moving in that church in an incredible way. It was the most culturally diverse church in the area at the time. So it, wasn't, it was one of these things. That there was nothing wrong with this. But God started showing me that there were people in our community that even this church wasn't going to reach. He was calling me to go deeper into the people. and show, started bring, He would bring people to the church, and I would literally, with my eyes, watch people be uncomfortable. For the first time in my, in my ministry career at this church, I was watching my church have a hard time uh, connecting with those people who were coming, and those people were not connecting with our church. And the Lord started speaking to my heart saying, that person will never come back. That person will never come back. And sure enough, I never would see those people again. He, start, he had to open my eyes to the need for another church. With that in mind, I had to be really careful planting a church in town I was ministering in because I wasn't trying to split my church, right? I love my church. And, and, and uh, you know, the, this was something new. And so we had to work really, really hard uh, eventually, the people that, that were a part of our, our church was less than 20 people, including the kids, that came from our church. I'm going to tell you something. Hear me. Hear me strong. We could have started church, if we would have started services in 30 to 60 days, we could have had 200 people from our churches that would have come to that church in a moment. But that wasn't why we were starting a church. And so we started small groups. And we told everybody who would come and visit our, our small groups from our previous churches, you need to understand this isn't a new version of our church. We're here to reach people that, that will never come there. And little by little, those people started peeling off to the side because we took nine months to start the church. They wanted to have church on Sunday. We weren't having church on Sunday. Just everything that we could do to help church people to, to, that weren't committed to the mission to go home. I tell you that, to, to show you, I mean, we, we have to be intentional about the way that, that we raise this thing up. And, and you look, the people, those 20 people that I told you that came with us from our previous churches, y'all, they were sitting on the sidelines. They were not, they weren't the leaders. They, they weren't, you know, they were people who, they weren't even sitting on the bench. They were, they were in the stands watching the game every weekend. And they became, some of them became pastors in our church. Some of them were, were incredible leaders, and they were the core team that God raised up from within there. So there are people in your church who will be incredibly valuable to a new church start if, if you'll just call out and show them that, that God can use them in a greater way. Um, you know, looking on there, business professionals, your church, college students, retirees, all of these that we can do together. Amy, can I see the, um, the break, the... Do you have any more of those? Oh, there it is. Let me show you real quick. And, and here's, I'm sorry it took me for a second to get here. Here's the system that, that we're, we're using, Virgil. Um, we've, uh, all of you have probably heard of a church planning residency. 
And then you see, we gave you two things. We gave you an apprenticeship and a residency. Most residencies would say an apprenticeship and residency. But we've broken this out on purpose for a reason. Uh, and, and we say it like this. Apprenticeship is build the planter. Residency is build the church. Okay? Apprenticeship is something that anybody who's an illuminated person that you feel like God might have their hands on. This isn't just for a, a new planter. This is, I mean, this could be for anybody that just, they, they want to grow. This is a discipling piece. And so you bring them into an apprenticeship in the local church. And uh, what we've done here is we have, um, working in conjunction with North American Mission Board, Multiplication Pipeline. Are, are y'all familiar with the Multiplication Pipeline? Um, well, we can be. And if you want to contact us, um, my, uh, M. Pittman, or you just go to the website and click on my link on my picture there. And she put it down there, I, I suppose. But I can get you hooked up with the Multiplication Pipeline. It's a piece that's designed to raise up people into the harvest. They used to call it the church planters pipeline, but they never intended it just to be for church planters. Uh, and they recognized that people who weren't church planters didn't want to do it because they weren't going to be a church planter. So they called it the multiplication pipeline. And what this is, is it's a, it's a pathway that we've put together with the North American Mission Board uh, utilizing their teaching as the platform for helping people to grow. Uh, the first thing that they do is they take something called the CPIA. It's the church planner's initial assessment. But y'all, it is awesome. What it is, about 170 uh, question test. It's one of those things, it's, it's long enough that you can't present to tell us the right answers. You know, <laughs> Eventually it's going to catch who you really are. And uh, it's designed to show you where you stand. It has three levels, L1, L2, L3. L1 uh, is for spiritual development. L2, leadership development. L3 is church planning, training development. Okay, And so the person takes it and it will show them where they, they kind of test out in that. And the cool thing about it is, is it gives you a pathway. It says, it says, here's what you need to look at. L1, blah, blah, blah. It'll, it'll literally call out things that, that you need growth in. Now, here's, here's what I'm so fired up about. Personally, I, I am really excited about this piece because I've, I've had some personal experience with it. Had a guy who had done, was in an apprenticeship with us uh, for quite a while. Uh, he's good. I mean, he's good. He's going to plant a church with us, but he just wasn't ready, right? He just wasn't ready. Like in your gut, you just know that, man, I could send, he's ready to go and he's, he's kind of getting tired of being in this thing. But we're like going, man, there's just something that's here. And I, so I said to Pastor Donnie, I said, hey, let's have him take the CPIA. And so he takes a CPIA, he goes through it. Now understand, I know this guy inside and out. I've spent hour upon hour pouring into this guy's life. He takes a CPIA and it comes back and it tells him all the stuff that we're telling him, okay? And man, first of all, that grew my, that grew my personal uh, just trust in this piece because it revealed what we were seeing you know, also I'm going, you know, Holy Spirit, you know, wow, you know, out, thank you for giving us this tool. But the other thing was this guy says, okay, I got you. Because it told him the things that we were telling him, but here's what it did. It's, it gave him a pathway. It says, here's what you need to work on. Y'all, I've had people that scored high enough 
to be an L3, right? Church planner level. But because they had L1 issues, that it said, it said score-wise L3, but it says L2. And it literally takes them down because it wants them to go back and to, to work on this stuff to get them through this thing. And it, here's the thing. You got people that went to seminary, right? And so they're taking, they're taking this thing. Of course they're going to score L3. They know all the answers to the test, right? But this thing is good enough, deep enough, that it points out the heart stuff. You know, the stuff they don't teach you in seminary. Points out the heart stuff. And, and here's what it does. It's, it's so good because it keeps you from having a one-size-fits-all training, right? Keeps you from, because here's how I always train people in the past. It would be like, okay, well, lesson one. If we just, you go all the way through our process. What this thing does is it actually gives us a process that is designed for the person. And instead of making them do 30 pieces of L1 to go through, if they test out of something, they just test out of it. And we move on with it, right? And we get them through this thing. So it keeps them from having to go all the way through the process. So as you look at, uh, for example, with the apprenticeship, we have on here what we've de- designed. This is just our suggestion. You don't have to do it like this. But for people who don't have a church planning apprenticeship yet, this is a way for you to lead people into this. You know, they, they take the CPIA they begin the, the pipeline curriculum. By the way, this isn't a, a Baptist State Convention thing. They, they will do this with you. So Virgil, I mean, they would like literally, this is your thing, and we can work together on it. And with the, they would work maybe with a, with a catalyst that would be a part of it. But for the most, this is, y'all's, this is y'all's work. This is your apprenticeship. It's not our apprenticeship. So that would be the difference in where we've been in the past. In the past, we would have, you would have done a church planning apprenticeship and it would have been in Virgil's church, but really you're kind of doing it with us. That's not what this is at all. We're trying to release this back to you guys and your local churches and do that. And what it does is it gives you a pathway and I'm going to let you take it home. We're not going to go all the way through it. It's pretty simple. And what it does, if you don't have something that's, that's strong and ready to go, man, take this. Unless, I mean, if you got, hey, if you got some suggestions, let's talk about it. And we can, because ultimately, you see, there's things that we will do and there's things that the sending church will do. So it's kind of designed like that. And then residency, where, whereas the, the apprenticeship, this is raising up planners. Residency is building the church. I, I think of it like this. This is church planning finishing school is what this is. This is a person who has... They've tested high enough on the CPIA um, that maybe they've done some finishing work in there or something. But ultimately, what, what our goal is with apprenticeship for a church planner is to get them ready to go to church planner assessment, right? You might have a, a personal assessment. You might be a part of a network or, or you might send somebody to our assessment center, Right. And what, what we want to do through apprenticeship is to send somebody to get them to prepare them for assessment so that we can send them to training, right? And that's what we're doing. Uh, an apprentice, when they get to that point, uh, this is the steps to residency. And we've defined this out for you as well. Every church has, has the opportunity to build their own residency. But if you don't have one, man, I just want to give you a pathway for which you can, uh, a starting board, Right. And here's, uh, you know, I just, I'll say this to you. Um, there's so many things that in my own ministry through the years, 
uh, I wanted to I wanted to do something, but because of the busyness of my schedule, just didn't have the capacity to get in there and do all the do all the pathway work. And so, it was something that I've been really excited about for all of y'all is to be able to do that. And you know, we we basically took about six weeks and over about a six week period, we just kind of hammered this stuff out and said, you know, if you don't have something, Stephen, here we go. Here's something for you to use. And so not perfect. And I'm telling you, this is a living document right here. This is something that that's, that's uh, in process. It'll probably never be finished. We're going to learn, we're going to grow. And, um, and I know that many of y'all are going to be a part of helping us to make this better and better. Can I also make the comment real quick? Uh, my goal is this is a really, it's a big one, but I have a goal that by the end of the summer of 2020, that when you go to the Church Planning NC website, that you'll be able to click on apprenticeships and residencies. And I'll have a bunch of uh, logos on there where people can actually apply to be a part of your residency program if you have something. And um, y'all, we're going to raise up planters, right? I can't wait. I can't just sit around and wait for people to say, hey, I want to plant a church. I mean, we're good with those guys. Come on. So if you got people, send them, right? But ultimately, I think what we're going to do is is we are creating a process by which we can raise these these pastors and planters up and um, from the harvest, right? This is Luke 10 too. Pray the Lord of the harvest that he would send forth workers. It's his harvest, Right? And it's his kingdom, man. And, and we just we need to ask him to, to send the people. And so uh, thank you so much for joining me here today. I hope this was beneficial. And man, I, I am always uh, just looking to have conversation with any of y'all. Hit me up. And uh, if you have some uh, suggestions, ideas, or, or just want to talk about how to implement something like this in our local church, we'd love to talk with you. And let's get something going. Let's plant some churches together. Amen. All right. Thank you so much.